My Seven Chakras, episode 52. Fall seven times, rise eight. Life begins now. The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body, from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's going on, action takers? AJ here, and I want to thank you for joining us today to learn get inspired, take action and create a human revolution in our lives and of those around us. Let me ask you this. Do you like listening to the inspirational and empowering content that we put out on a consistent basis? Do you want regular access to inspirational message, thoughts and wisdom? Then become a member of our growing Facebook group today itself. How do you do that? It's simple. Go to Facebook and search for My 7 Chakras group and then click join. We have some big plans for that group. So join us to be part of the action. And today I am electrified to bring you our featured guest, Pedram Sojai. So Pedram, I got to ask you this. Are you ready to inspire? I am. Awesome. So Pedram is a founder of well.org, producer of the movies Vitality and Origins, and the author of Rise and Shine, and the new book, The Urban Monk. So, Pedram, I've given our listeners a short intro, but tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, I was a regular guy, off to become a medical doctor, was uh, at a uh, you know, major university studying pre-med, and um, found a kung fu master and a Taoist abbot who started uh, teaching me the ways of, uh, the ways of qi, and um, it was just so compelling and so much more fascinating than the things I was learning in hospital corridors that it uh, profoundly changed the direction of my life, took me towards being a Taoist monk. Uh, and a student of many spiritual masters for, for decades, uh, and also a doctor of oriental medicine, uh, shifted my paradigm into a more natural uh, perspective, um, and that was the first iteration of my career, and then I went off to write books and make movies and um, kind of become a media guy, and <laughs> I guess we can get, we get into why I did that, but um, yeah, it's been, it's been a heck of a journey. Well, thanks a lot for that awesome intro. Before we dive in today's amazing Sure, you have the golden opportunity to light the lamp of inspiration in our listeners by by sharing some words of wisdom. So what is your favorite inspirational quote? And give us one example of how you apply this quote to your life. I like the quote from Dhammo, who's the patron saint of uh, Zen Buddhism. Uh, his name is Bodhidharma in India, um, which is fall seven times, rise eight. Life begins now. And I have to say, I apply that uh, almost daily with patients. I apply that daily with students, and I apply that daily every time I mess something up. Right? Is your you know you you can just keep 
moving forward and understand that, you know, um, you're only as good as your last action and, uh, you know, to dwell on the past is really a, a complete waste of energy. You need to continually work on self-betterment and, um, you know, kind of cut out the judgment. And it, I'm telling you, it makes the biggest difference in the world. And um, it's very empowering because we feel like because of our past mistakes, we are saddled and we are no longer able to have agency in life. And I think that's a, it's a really toxic, uh, toxic meme that many of us are infected with. And uh, the sooner we're rid of that, the sooner we could uh, excel to our greatness. So you mentioned fall seven times, rise eight, life begins now. I think that's such an empowering quote. And there you go, listeners. Don't be afraid to fail. Instead, use that failure as a moment of learning. Use it as feedback because when you fail seven times, you have a lot of feedback and you can't help but rising the eighth time with victory and helping those around you as well. So thanks for sharing, Pedro. Mm-hmm. Now, you're a Kung Fu master, Taoist monk, Qigong master, herbalist, and a talented acupuncturist. How did it all begin? One step at a time, right? One punch at a time, one, uh, one book at a time. And so, you know, it starts with jumping in and, uh, you know, for me it was with fascination in the system, you know, having been on the kind of Western biological studies arc, I started to, you know, discover this thing called chi and, and, and kind of the, the vitalistic components that went into uh, Eastern medicines and then their natural extension uh, into the culinary arts, into uh, the martial arts, into um, philosophy and it was just like, wow, this is so much more cohesive than the splintered um, uh, indoctrination that we've been kind of given in, in, in the West where it's, everything is just so compartmentalized. And to me, that was fascinating. And so, you know, I just I jumped in, uh, just deep plunge into the cold water. And um, first it was a raging river, and I thought I might drown. And, you know, eventually I was uh, floating on top. And so... And, you know, and there's some days where it's still hard, right? It's just there's never, ever, ever a a time when you feel like you've got it because it's just so vast and so beautiful. And, you know, just it parallels the human experience. There's just constant growth opportunity in in learning things that are are true. So, um, yeah, I've just... I couldn't stop if I tried. It's fascinating to me, this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting that you mentioned that you found the Eastern wisdom very cohesive, very integrated. And what came to my mind was yoga, because yoga literally means union, right? It means union of mind, body and spirit. Mm-hmm. So a lot of similarities maybe between yoga and chi as well. Well, yeah. I mean, they're, they're the same systems, uh, just kind of, you know, literally different language. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bodhidharma was... You know, potentially, I mean, there's some argument whether he was originally Persian or Indian, but he was a, he was a saint that traveled through India and studied with different sadhus and masters for, for, you know, decades and came over to the imperial court of China and was basically, uh, you know, kind of bringing, and, and he was brought, brought in, at, you know, as a guest of the court just to say, hey, listen, um, the, the emperor wanted to kind of show off how much he'd done for Buddhism, and he was very blunt with him and said, well, none of that stuff's going to get you into heaven. You know, what have you done for your own consciousness? And so he's the one who parked up at the Shaolin Temple and uh, started teaching these uh, Buddhist monks all these uh, kind of really yogic exercises to empower their bodies, bring up their vitality, and kind of bring them to life. 
So they're not just sitting there idly meditating all day while, you know, evil and perpetrators of evil can do whatever they want, you know, outside or, you know, sometimes inside the temple walls. They became the famous Shaolin Kung Fu monks that were powered by chi and driven by dharma to protect, you know, the weak and the innocent. And so, you know, all the, all this stuff comes from the same lineages, um, and it's all about understanding the flow of energy and the union of our consciousness with that of the greater, the greater consciousness, whatever you're going to call that, uh, so that mind can be calm and energy can flow uh, naturally. So, you know, I do just as much yoga as I do qigong, and you know, the the, the only difference is the language and, and the nomenclature, and you know, um, it's all the same stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I love the explanation that you just gave. So, Bodhidharma was brought into the Chinese Empire, and then he taught the Buddhist monks not just to meditate, but not just to benefit themselves, but to also protect themselves and protect the weak and the innocent. And that sort of became the heritage of the Shaolin monks. And it sort of brought to my mind the concept of Bodhisattva as well. Uh, from what I understand, the Bodhisattvas are those who choose not to just go in for incarnation, but to sacrifice that incarnation for the sake of others so that they are on the raft they've helped themselves but they pull people who are in the metaphorical white waters around them they pull them onto the raft so that together uh, they can see a better future a better tomorrow as well so thanks a lot for that explanation great yeah no absolutely on your website you mentioned that you studied biology at ucla until you had a series of profound mystical experiences that drew you to the eastern esoteric arts so what were some of these profound mystical experiences you know what's interesting is that i just um one day just started uh feeling something that i couldn't explain and it was almost like a like a omnipresence and um, it would normally happen because I'd take a lot of hikes and, and get out there. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it just started really kind of syncing up with nature. And that started leading me into wanting to know more about meditation and more about, you know, what all this stuff was about. And um, there was one day when I was in the University Research Library of UCLA, just walking, I don't know, finishing something. And I was mm-hmm. really at kind of a crossroads where, you know, here I am trying to be a medical doctor. I'm with all these all these students that are cheating on their tests and, mm-hmm. um, and, and basically, you know, just, just doing unethical things to get ahead of each other. And this is a race to, you know, then have a profession that's dedicated to helping people. And so, you know, I'm having kind of this ethical, ethical, uh, moral dilemma internally about what the hell it is that I'm doing. And then I asked God for, a, you know, a sign. And I kid you not, uh, I don't know, 30, 40 feet ahead of me, um, a book fell out of the bookshelf uh, right in front of me, and, and there's no one there. So I'm like, I walk, I look through the thing. There's no one on the other side. I'm like, oh, you know, books don't just go flying. So and it was, I, it was open to a passage of this Taoist uh, abbot walking uh, some of his students across a raging river um, by connecting his lower energy center and using kind of that energetic tug to do it. Um, and so I was like, well, that's fascinating. I checked out the book, read it that night. Mm -hmm. And the next day I went and found myself a Taoist, uh, Kung Fu teacher, um, in Los Angeles. 
And as soon as I walked in the waiting room, I actually took a buddy with me. He walked up, you know, forget about my buddy, came straight to me and basically looked at me and says, I've been waiting for you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I guess I'm here. <laughs> like, okay, what are we doing? And what I didn't realize was going to happen from there was what we were doing was, you know, for the next decade of my life, 30 to 50 hours of Kung Fu, Tai Chi, Qigong, lots of, yeah, just, you know, I, I went fully, fully immersed in this really all-in training that basically kicked my teeth in, uh, you know, figuratively, um, in a way where, you know, you just, you got to let go of your self-importance. You got to get, let go of your, your righteousness. You got to let go of who you think you are. Um, and die to that so that you can really emerge as the person you're destined to be. Um, and, you know, you go kicking and screaming, um, but there, there's something really powerful about the traditions that wake you up to that. And, you know, and, and during this arc, as I was starting to kind of question and, and, and kind of get directive, it also became, you know, a, you know, a challenging time because I was also getting information. Like someone would, someone would come up and they're about to say something and I would answer them before they said it. And they say, what? you know, and I, was, I had clairvoyance, clairaudience, all sorts of, you know, kind of interesting things were starting to open up for me. And being a, being a guy in his early 20s, um, you know, I had, I got to say, the one thing I did have was the wherewithal to know that if I didn't get some sort of like senior disciplined uh, guidance that I, I would potentially get myself into some trouble. And so, you know, I, I put myself under the tutelage of a Kung Fu master and was just like, hey man, there's all this stuff happening. And I know you know this stuff, um, but this is getting a little disruptive uh, help, right? And so he, he helped me kind of put the genie in the bottle and, and, and learn how to control it, right? Wow. So you mentioned because of your passion for being close to nature, because of the fact that you loved uh, being among the trees or doing hiking, one fine day, you started feeling something, an omnipresence, something really powerful. And that created that fascination, that urge to learn, learn more. And once you had that urge deep within you, as you were walking close to the library, you had a book fall right in front of you just in front of you and at, and you read that chapter which is already open. Uh, uh, I think that's a perfect example of the law of attraction and the power of it, intention and the series of things that happened later. What it reminded me was of the phrase that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. That's it. So that is a wonderful story that you just shared and listeners, you might not be there at this moment uh, but if you know where you want to go, if you are ready for it, it's just like the example, if you want to buy a, a red Ferrari, there's no, I don't think there are brown Ferraris, but if you want to buy a red Ferrari, <laughs> all of a sudden, you start noticing those Ferraris from here to there, wherever you are, you are, it's always on your mind. So thanks a lot for sharing. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's actually a, a tale to that story that I'd love to share just because it's, I, th- I think it's an important one for our, our listeners in that mm-hmm. after I went through all of this training and was just, you know, off uh, on sabbatical, I was, I had just studied with the Dalai Lama and the Karmapa Lama and I'd done all this stuff in India and I was in Nepal doing a couple monasteries and just doing some like mountaineering and trekking. Um, I was again at this crossroads where I'm like, now what, right? Like, do I stay, Mm -hmm. do I stay here? Do I just stay a monk? Do I basically, you know, you know, basically tell my parents goodbye and and move up here for the rest of my life? Uh, What the hell am I supposed to do with all this? And so again, I'm just kind of walking around figuring out and all these people I'm meeting up there, you know, I got this guru, I got this guru. I don't really have a guru. My Kung Fu master went out of his way to not be a guru. He's like, you see a guru on the side of the road, you kill him kind of thing. 
thing, right? And <laughs> and so I, I go back into the same kind of query where I'm just like, you know, God, what's up? Where's who's my guru? What's you know, what what am I supposed to do next? And this is the, this is the only other time this has happened in my life. I'm in a bookstore in Kathmandu, Nepal, and a book mm-hmm. falls out of the shelf. And I'm just like, come on. You know, my body's like, I get chills, right? I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, looking around like someone's playing a prank on me. And so, you know, I go, I, I pick up the book. This time the book didn't fall open. It was just kind of like, you know, on the floor. Um, and it was a book uh, called Adam and the Kabbalistic Tree. And it was by this this old Kabbalist. And it was all about the Kabbalah and like, you know, you know ancient Jewish, um, you know, understanding of of mind science and I, and I read the whole thing that night and it was just like just perfectly lined up with all the Taoist stuff that I'd learned and you know even the chakras and everything everything that like I understood to be Easter and I'm reading this in this old Jewish text going holy crap everyone knows about this mm-hmm. and then nobody knows about this obviously right because you know everyone yeah. knew about this and so then it was my kind of big kind of guiding mark and there were some elements in the book that kind of drove me to understand that um I'm not going to get a guru. I don't need a guru. Stop thinking you need a guru. Just keep doing your practice and understand that, you know, God is always with you. And so it was one of those kind of like kind of compounding pieces that really, um, really kind of woke me up to the fact that it's, it's, it's all about your journey. No, I completely agree with you. It's about your journey and your trust in yourself and the universe because when you need something the most you'll meet the right people you'll have the right instances you'll have the right experiences and you'll be exposed to the right information and bedroom i had something similar in fact i have something similar on a regular basis uh, i was studying in ubc I'm, i was pursuing my mba recently completed that and uh, whenever i used to study in the study room at ubc and i used to walk down in the evening sometimes once in a while there used to be this urge towards one of the bookshelves which was basically dedicated to books that were you know really old or were sold at a very discounted price but once in a while i used to get attracted to that bookshelf and i used to find just the perfect book just for two dollars mm-hmm. you know a while back i got i found this book that was written 30 years back and it was about the power of the palm uh, in terms of healing and it sort of uh, showed how Every tradition, every uh, civilization, be it Egyptian, Indian, Chinese, or other civilizations as well, they really value the power of healing, and more importantly, the power of the, the power the palm plays in healing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. You look at um, almost all the ancient traditions. You know, the, the greeting was you hold up your palm so that they could see the light exuding from your hand. And, exactly. And, you know, and even the handshake was to feel the kind of energetic signature of the other and to know if they were true or if they had, you know, kind of um, their heart was in the right place. And, 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 you know, all of this stuff, you know, just gets kind of sidelined to the, the really insane, um, you know, distractions that the modern world has been subjected to and you know it's not hard to go back there you know my whole my whole thing now is just like you know my, my next book's called the urban monk which is you don't need to go change your name or get a yin yang tattoo or get some new wardrobe or you know tell all your friends that you can't talk to them anymore you just got to start doing things to help bring you back to balance in your day-to-day life 
And, and, you know, I think some of this cultural stuff that's been imbued has driven, you know, lots of well-intentioned normal people away from practices that are absolutely useful and applicable in their lives right now. And because, you know, some people have made it weird, quote unquote, they're, they, they're relegated to taking Prozac or, you know, drinking beer to, to decompress. And it's just, it's just a really inefficient way of, of living life, <laughs> you know. So true, so true. Now, you've written two amazing books. You've written Rise and Shine, Awaken Your Energy Body with Taoist Alchemy and Qigong, and you've written The Urban Monk. Now, for the benefit of our listeners, what is Qigong? Qigong literally translates into energy work, which is basically breathing exercises, sometimes coupled with movement, sometimes just eyes closed doing stuff internally, that are designed to help circulate the vital energy and flow of that energy through your body as connected with breath, uh, and sometimes disconnected with breath, but it's about learning how to perceive the kind of subtle rhythms of the energy flow in your body, um, oftentimes guided by your mind, and bring those to balance, right? In contrast to meditation, which is to observe those things and just kind of let things settle back down to a lower center. Qigong kind of, you know, you, you kind of jump into the ring and you start helping soothe out the flow and, and get things moving because effectively, and this is, you know, I would put it to you that all yoga really works on a similar principle, which is the flow of energy isn't this thing where it's just like a capitalistic sense of like, ooh, I got more energy. It's about understanding that the universe, like the earth underneath our feet, the, the stars, the universe, all the life around us, there's an infinite amount of energy all around us. And the fact that we don't feel connected with it as flowing through us in every moment is because of our perception and our delusion of who we are. So a lot of it has to do with understanding who you are and waking up to that and realizing that it's the blockage of that flow. And in electrical terms, we call it impedance, right? When a circuit has impedance, there's less conduct, right? There's less conductivity through that circuit and it just doesn't, it doesn't brighten up the way it should. And so really for me, uh, Qigong, yoga, and all these practices are much more of a reductionist practice than it is additive because additive is, you know, go to, go to Sears and buy more stuff you don't need, right? This is more about subtract, just getting the crap out of your way and, and understanding how to eat right and breathe right and do things so your body physiologically functions better, detoxifies better, and then starts understanding how to move so that you can get the energy flowing through your channels better. And then all of a sudden you start feeling well, all of a sudden you start having insight, you start waking up to things and having, you know, who knows, psychic phenomena and conversations with God and all these kind of wonderful things you read about in the books. It doesn't come from, you know, I just, I don't like the aha moment um, methodology that everyone thinks is like, I'm going to sit on a rock for 30 years and then just, you know, wake up into enlightenment. It's Satori. I think that's kind of like, you know, what, what happened in America, you know, last week with this um, lotto. It's like this 1.4 billion Powerball. Everyone's like, oh my God, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to win the lottery and then I'm done. That's just, that's not how it works. I mean, enlightenment one breath at a time, one, one workout at a time, one good deed at a time. And so it's just, it's a sensible approach um, that um, I think has been kind of a little dirtied by our Western thinking and thinking it's all or nothing. And just to add, I mean, I feel even if a person gets enlightenment, 
the person has to be ready to understand the wisdom of what that enlightenment means so for what i understand when buddha experienced enlightenment he knew that because he meditated and he did what not to get there but to translate that information to translate that wisdom he felt that the people around him might not be in a position to receive that wisdom and what he did was he communicated that esoteric information through similes and parables over multiple sutras and from what i understand the last sutra was a lotus sutra where he was closest to that uh, information which would really benefit the people around him so as you mentioned winning a lotto or a, or a lottery wouldn't really help somebody because they might have the money but they might just squander it off in a week or two because they don't know how to handle such a big amount of money yeah yeah exactly and that's and that's exactly it it's you don't have the container to even understand it and you look at statistics statistically they all go bankrupt exactly right and it's the same thing is because they just do not have the container the capacity to run that much power through them so they'll just blow it up their nose or buy a bunch of stuff and just be morons with it. And that's how most of us are with energy too, right? It's just, you know, when we have it, we squander it and then we're deficient in it. So then we drink coffee and then wonder why our life isn't working. And so it's just, it's just a burn rate issue. And I don't think people, you know, if you were to run your company that way, you'd be bankrupt. But most people run their lives that way and wonder why their lives aren't working out. Mm-hmm. So, so based on what you said, Qigong is about learning to move the blockages out of our system using exercise or breathing or circulation. But what are some of the effects of having these energy blockages within our system and how do they actually get blocked? Uh, great question. Um, so, you know, you name a, a human condition and a disease and a pathology, it has to do with the blockage of energy. So, I mean, you could have blocked energy in your digestive system because it, you're not extracting energy from your food well. Maybe you're eating foods that are toxic and you're eating, um, you know, you're eating foods that, that create inflammation and then there's just a, a flow of energy that doesn't happen there. You have indigestion, you have poor, poor bowels, um, and you have all kinds of problems that, that you know, uh, result in energy drag and, you know, and symptomology. Uh, same thing with the heart, same thing orthopedically. When the energy's stuck, the joints hurt. And so there's in, in every principle, I mean, in Chinese medicine, you could just look at where the energy is imbalanced um, so that you can adjust and so you can be agile and make things work based on where you see the blockages and how to clear it. Right. And sometimes you clear it by, you know, getting in there with acupuncture. Sometimes you clear it by stretching or doing massage. And other times you just are deficient in a system and you need, you know, herbs to help build a system that are, um, you know, getting in your way. Mm -hmm. So there you go, listeners. It's all about establishing and maintaining that energy balance within your body. And when, when that balance is disturbed, depending on which part of the body that blockage is, that's when you develop that symptom, that's when you develop the disease. It might be asthma or stomach problem or a joint problem. It might not seem that way, but that's because of the energy imbalance. For somebody who is you know, listening to the show right now going, I want to try out Qigong for the very first time, what are some of the benefits of Qigong. Now, if you could break down these benefits into short term and then the long term basis as well. Yeah, great question. Short term, you're going to feel more energy. Your mood is going to be enhanced. You'll have you know more gas in the tank at the end of the day, and you'll start to notice that you know that neck pain maybe is gone, or that, you know that that back pain is not as cranky. And so it'll just you know still water breeds poison, right? And so mm. once you start moving 
like a creek, once there's more water, all of a sudden all those little like pools where like the mosquitoes have gathered, they get washed downstream. So short term, you'll start to feel more energy. You'll start to feel more limber. Mm-hmm. You'll, fe- you'll see yourself at the coffee pot less. You'll see yourself uh, maybe craving sugar less and all sorts of things that are there. And then long term, you'll realize that your resilience to stress has increased. You'll realize you're getting less colds less often. You'll realize that you are making better decisions. And these are all kind of, you know, I could could get into all the science about how this helps engage the prefrontal cortex, which then, you know, helps suppress the limbic system. I mean, look, I'm an Eastern dude, but I was, you know, a scientist through and through. And and in science, just show show me what you got. And so what I did is I hired some of the best brain scientists I could find for one of my medical groups. And I set up a brain research lab and said, look, I'm going to bring some of the best practitioners I know in here, you're going to map their brains and tell me what the hell's happening because this is interesting. I had the the luxury of being able to be supportive of that um, scientifically and um, you know really glean a lot from the data and it's it's fascinating stuff. There's a lot of really really powerful stuff happening with these simple exercises. And I mean, think about it. I mean, we we spent hundreds of thousands of years biologically and through an evolutionary arc moving and hunting and gathering and climbing trees and farming and all sorts of things that we did until about 100 years ago where then we all just start parking up and sitting more often. In the last 30 years, everyone's in some, some dumb office chair under artificial lights going from car to office to restaurant to car to office to home to sofa. And you wonder why we don't feel well. And Qigong is, is one of those kind of fail-safes to kind of spark the life back into you and get you moving so that you, you know, kind of come back to life. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that immediately, maybe on a short-term basis, a person might feel a boost in energy, maybe feel much better in his or her muscles or joints. But on a long-term basis, the resilience to stress, to pressure, to anxiety, that's boosted and immunity gets boosted. The person won't feel, get a cough or a cold. And most importantly, I love the analogy that you gave, that you shared that the mosquitoes in your life will get washed downstream. So action takers, do you want your mosquitoes washed downstream? Because I'm sure, as you mentioned, a still water or a still river uh, breeds poison yeah and um you know i gotta say over the years i gotta mention another one is your sex life gets dramatically improved because that energy is there as well but over the years uh students of qigong of mine um start reporting that they they're making more money why because what's money it's currency it's energy it's you know once you're out there you're able to generate more abundance and kind of be a, a bigger stakeholder in your community and, and be a beacon of strength and power um, and money flows through you better. So it's just all around, you You just got to get up off that sofa and get moving because it makes a big difference. And, and so someone would say to me, well, what about then just jogging? And my, 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 the point to really understand here is these practices integrate the body movements with the mind and the breath. And they do some very, very significant things Mm -hmm. to integrate what we're doing and how we're doing it and how we're perceiving it in the practice. Mm -hmm. Once you get good at the Qigong and you take those principles and then apply them to everything else you do, then life becomes a meditation. But you have to learn the principles and then start applying them from the inside out to everything you do, which just makes you more present 
Um, because some people will just be like, well, screw it. Then I'm just going to go ride my bike. And you're like, yeah, but you could still do that very unconsciously. Beautiful. So you're saying what once was a practice becomes a life philosophy after a certain point of time. Listen, man, I'm, you know, I was an ascetic. I was a monk. I came back. I decided I was going to take on a family and live the life of, you know, the people I was trying to help. So, you know, I got a, I got mm-hmm. a two-year-old and I got a two-month-old. Yeah. I promise you I have less time to meditate now than I did when I was a monk. And so, yeah. so the point is I am constantly doing Qigong and circulating energy when driving my car. Right now I'm standing here circulating energy talking to you. I'm, and mind you, I'm standing, not sitting, right? I, you know, I do Qigong when I'm gardening with my son. I do Qigong when I'm on the phone. I'm constantly meditating and scanning because it becomes, it's not a, an application that you double click on your desktop whenever you're stressed. Yeah. <laughs> it's an operating system that you discover yeah. and then it's just constantly scanning like a virus checker to make sure that you are present, engaged in the moment and being the best person you can be. True. Now, for someone who might be experiencing stress or anxiety from various areas of their life, making a change might sometimes be a bit overwhelming or complex, but taking just one step is always easier. So what is it one health tip to reduce stress or anxiety that you can share with our audience that they can try immediately? I would say if you're in a work environment where you're just like, hey, listen, I'm stuck. This is how I feed my family and you know, this is my life. Just set a timer so that every 25 minutes you get up and do something, even if it's 10 reps of something, but preferably just some sort of like mind body integrated stretching. And, you know, if you don't, if you don't, mm-hmm. I can't show anyone Qigong on this, on this call here. Right. But, you know, literally just inhale to your lower abdomen, exhale, go all the way down to your toes and inhale, slowly roll up and then turn to your right foot Exhale slowly down and then inhale slowly up. Go through the center. Go back to the left. Do that like three, four times. It'll take you like two minutes, three minutes, right? Every 25 minutes, that means twice an hour you're getting up and moving it. And then go back to your your business, right? And just see what that does for you in your life. I Look, I have... 2,200 corporations that I, I serve content to and, and consult with in my corporate wellness business. And I have multiple businesses and I'm a busy, busy guy. And I'm telling you, this stuff works. We did an experiment with millions of people and all of a sudden they're like, oh crap, I didn't realize something so simple was going to make such a, an impact in my life. And you know, the answer is yes, it does. Right. And the drug companies don't want you to know that. True, true. Thanks a lot for sharing this powerful tip with our listeners. Now, Margaret Thatcher once said, look at a day when you are supremely satisfied at the end. It's not a day when you are lounging around doing nothing. It's a day you've had everything to do and you've done it. During this round, our guests share moments of overcoming a major challenge. So, Pedram, take us back to a time when you faced a major challenge. What was your initial reaction to this challenge and then how did you overcome it when i came back uh from my monastic training and uh was you know in sabbatical and you know in, in the high himalayas and all that i came back and decided i was going to you know start my healthcare practice and, and heal heal the world one person at a time and then at the time i realized how kind of small the oriental medicine world was and how uh, dis- disconnected it was from the medical doctors and all the other kind of people in the community that were all helping trying to, to help the same people and so what I decided I was going to do was start a medical group and basically, you know, bring uh, this integrated model together with 
Chinese and, and nutrition and all these kind of wonderful things that, you know, make sense to do, but I was still doing it within the broken paradigm of Western medicine. So I still had to wait for Blue Cross to pay my bills and mess with me when they, you know, wanted to. And, you know, it was just enormous overhead and, you know, rules where it's like, I have to wait for this person to be sick. So they have a diagnosis code. So then I could, you know, help them where all my training was, let me help prevent this disease. Let me help you not need me. Let's, let's, go, let's do driver's education and not be a body shop. And so, you know, I started running into this very big crisis where I'm, you know, I'm, I got three offices, 30 doctors. I have this huge operation and I'm just in the wrong game. And I realized that, you know, within the healthcare model, you can't fix the healthcare model. And so I just mm-hmm. had to sit and meditate and really go back to my roots and go, holy crap, I don't know how I ended up here, and that's fine, fall seven times, rise eight. Basically sold to my partners, lost a lot of money, you know, just basically shot my way out of that town, and went back to my roots and did some Qigong videos, wrote my first book, did all my, started doing all my corporate wellness consulting, and really swam upstream to take that really big leap of faith and say, look, I'm going to leave this lucrative medical world um, where, you know, I was, you know, I was getting invited to hospital conferences and, you know, I had, you know, I'd, I'd kind of gotten into this world of big cars and big riches. And I, and I just basically let it all go because I realized that it was unfulfilling and I was going to basically take that cold plunge again into uh, a life that I, I felt was worth living one that was you know of service better to humanity and so and everyone in my my life including my current wife who was just dating me at the time thought i was insane right Mm -hmm. and so but you just you got to stick to your principles and now look i got plenty of money and i have you know huge companies that i influence and i've touched millions of lives through my movies and all the things that i do and that's not to Mm -hmm. brag that's just to say you know when one door closes another one opens do what you need to do to feel fulfilled in life don't get stuck in some sort of crap corner of the universe thinking this is all you got you know i walked away from a lot and found more Mm -hmm. so looking back now what is that one major life lesson that you would want our listeners to take away from your story i I, I don't know if reincarnation is a thing um, but all i can say is assume you've got this one chance these you know, finite amount of heartbeats to live on this planet and do something that matters, do something that means something to you, do something that, that gets you enthusiastic about getting out of bed and just rolling into it. Find out what that thing is and then just start working in that direction as quickly as you can because wasting your life idling and watching TV and, and you know, listening to what the news is telling you the world is about and all these kinds of things. It's just a mind-numbing way of turning into a zombie. And I invite you out mm-hmm. into a world that's filled with beauty and, and, and all kinds of wonderful opportunity and emerging markets that are conscious and capital that is moving towards companies doing the right thing. And so there's a whole other world that's emerging as people are waking up to the fact that we just this is no way to live. And so I would say, get up off your ass and find what it is that means something to you. And just don't stop drinking from that fountain until you're quenched. Well, thanks a lot for sharing this inspiring story with us, Petram. Because of your story, our listeners now have one more reason not to give up, be grateful and take action. It's just another reminder of fail seven times, rise the eight, and most importantly, do something 
it means a lot to you it might be small at this moment but it will rise like a snowball effect and become huge just like the success that you are seeing right now and with that we move on to the next phase of our show which is all about finding your life's true calling getting there might not be easy but hearing how people found their life's true purpose instills deep within us the faith and courage to get there now mark twain once said 20 years from now you will be more disappointed by the things that you didn't do than by the ones you did do so throw off the bow lines sail away from the safe harbor catch the trade winds in your sails explore dream discover so my question to you pedram is have you found your life's true calling if yes what is your calling i'd say i found it for now right i don't know you know i think i think mm-hmm. assigning permanence to anything is um you know i think the buddha would turn over in his grave because anicca 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 you know the principle of buddhism is change and so right now i got to say you know my kids woke me up at 3:30 in the morning being fussy and whatever and i just you know i i got up and i'm in the middle of a book launch and i just got up and i'm just enthusiastically charging because i'm excited to share this information with the world i'm you know i'm running on some other math and i love what i do and it's about helping people wake up and and sharing information that's going to help them make better decisions in life and all these wonderful things. And I got to say, you know, I'm I I just have a book coming out. I have another movie that I'm really enthusiastic about and and maybe that chapter mm-hmm. closes and my calling shifts and I can, you know, be agile and move into where my calling has gone next. I kind of think of it like following the breadcrumbs. Mm-hmm. And so I just I just let go and let God drive and just put me where I need to be. And it's a lot nicer of a way for me than thinking about what my calling is cuz I I don't know what the hell my calling is. I just know that I'm just putting one foot in front of the other and doing things that that make me feel satisfied and of service and are still feeding my family and and bringing balance to the world and you know for now that's great and tomorrow who knows where I'll be. And so that's it's it's kind of the mystery of life and I'm you know I don't you know I I don't like put plant the stake in the ground because it just means that I'm going to fight to um maintain an identity that might need to move on 5 years from now. Mhm. Well, thanks a lot for that reminder that the only constant is change. And with that, we have finally arrived at my favorite round, the wisdom round, where I ask rapid fire questions and you respond with small doses of power packed wisdom. Are you ready? Sure. What is the best advice you have ever received? It was funny is this didn't even come from like a spiritual master but you know like some old white guy said you know show me how you do one thing and you've shown me how you do everything and so it's about the macro and the micro and it's just about being meticulous and and conscious about everything that you do because that is everything that you do Mhm What is that one personal habit that contributes your well-being. I have a thing called a gong, which is a daily practice where I have, you know, right now I have four items in my gong, and every single day I have to do those four items before I go to bed. If I fail, I start over. And it and it instills the discipline to keep me remembering to take care of myself and and do those kind of dedicated acts of self-love. So, you know, I pick a few few flowers in my garden of life and make sure I water them every day. And that way, mm-hmm. a year or two don't go by where then I wake up and resent myself for never having taken care of myself or gained 40 pounds. So what is your morning ritual like? In other words, could you describe the first 2 hours 
off your dick? Yeah, well, it's very different than it was when I was a monk. A lot of it, it just involves <laughs> a lot of diapers and, you know, spending yeah. quality time with my kids. Uh, the baby is mostly nursing right now, but, you know, I grab my son, we come downstairs, we hang out and play, do whatever, and, you know, I'll stretch with him, I'll stretch on the floor while he's playing and stretch with him and just wrestle, um, feed the dogs, take the dogs for a walk with my son, um, you know, listen to the birds um, and, and hang out with him and just, you know, put in the quality time that I need to as a father to really water mm-hmm. that plant. Um, but, you know, I got to say, no matter what, I have a Qigong set that I do every single morning before I urinate. And it's my discipline of kind of gathering my chi before I even start my day. So I start with that. Whatever stretching I can get in in the morning is gravy. But right now, if I were to think that I would be able to have a very regimented discipline with a two-year-old and a two-month-old, it would be get suffering. So I've surrendered to the fact that my life has these delightful children that want me to you know, be there with them. Mm-hmm. And the only time I really get with them is those couple hours in the morning and then you know, a couple hours in the evening when I'm back. So I'm all in. I'm theirs. So, Pedram, I know that you've read numerous books throughout your life, but if you had to choose just one, what is that one book that has made a significant impact on your life? One book that's made a significant impact on my life? Oh, God. There's probably a thousand that I think. (laughs) I'm going to name one because the first one that came to mind, and I don't know why, but maybe your audience needs to hear this, is there's a great book by a guy named John Lamb Lash, which is called Not in His Image. And it's all about the Gnostic gospel and the early kind of wisdom seekers of the Hellenic world and the ancient world and their response to kind of the craziness of like, um, you know, kind of these weird Hebrew cults and then uh, early Christians when they came and how everything just got really weird and culty and judgmental. And it's a real interesting Mm -hmm. uh, glimpse at what the world was like before we started judging each other and killing each other in the name of God. And it was, for me, it was monumental because um, it was like this chasm in human consciousness and a turn towards something that that really isn't god and so um it's a very powerful book for whatever reason it came up um as one of millions that i i I love but that's the one well thanks for sharing action takers the links insights information about the best advice today's inspirational quote the link to the book are all available in the show notes so pedram it was such an honor having you on our show today. Before we say goodbye, tell us one thing that you're really grateful for and tell us the best way we can find you. Sure. I'm grateful for my family. I got to say the greatest karmic accelerator is you go do all the spiritual work and then you have a kid that's looking at you that just wants to connect. And if you're not present, if you're thinking about work, you're thinking about, you know, what he said or she said, you've lost that moment to connect and grow with that person. So they are my little gurus and my wife, God bless her. So that's the greatest thing I'm thankful for now. And where to find me, uh, www.theurbanmonk.com is where I have all my my book and uh, Qigong stuff. And then my other universe, my big company is uh, well.org, www.well.org. And that's where my movies and my health and media stuff happens. And theurbanmonk.com, I actually have a seven-day toolkit with like videos, Tai Chi, Qigong, meditations, and all sorts of free stuff uh, for beginning students. Um, And it's all just free. Just go to theurbanmonk.com. 
uh, and you'll see it under the reboot. And that's my gift to you. Well, there you go, listeners. If this was something new to you, if Qigong is something new to you, and if you are determined to make a change in your life, then I must say, head on over to the Urban Monk com because they will have a lot of information a lot of articles insights and of course you can always purchase the book uh Petram, has the book been released or is it going to be released pretty soon? uh book is released february 2nd so whenever whenever this thing comes out right around when we're broadcasting uh but you can wow. pre-order the book and uh, you know get all the bonuses and videos that come with the book and then the book will mm-hmm. arrive uh, on your doorstep on February 2nd. Um, I barely, I, I finally just got a couple more copies. It's all been kind of under wraps because the publisher, um, you know, they're not allowed to distribute them until then. That's it, listeners. Limited number of books. So if you want to learn more, if you want to be exposed to a wealth of knowledge, that's how I can put it, a wealth of knowledge, then head on over to that website. Head on to well.org to get inspired and head on and, and rush towards becoming the best version of you. So, Pedram, thank you so much for coming on our show. Thank you for that gift that you're giving our listeners. And thank you for inspiring us and taking us one step closer to a human revolution. Thank you. This has been great. You are listening to My 7 Chakras. Go to mysevenchakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired, and take action. Transform your life today.